0: The personal stories expressed in this series reflect the true experiences and opinions of the guests and may not represent the official position of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
1: Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, There is hope for the addicted, and this hope comes through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and by humbling oneself before God, pleading to be freed of the bondage of addiction and offering our whole soul to Him in fervent prayer. Priesthood leaders can help as those who have addiction seek counsel from them. Where necessary, they can refer them to qualified licensed counselors and LDS Family Services. The addiction recovery program adapted from the original 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is readily available through LDS Family Services. In this series, you will hear actual meetings discussing each of the gospel principles of addiction recovery and healing. Addiction recovery meetings have strict guidelines of confidentiality and anonymity. These podcasts may seem contradictory to such standards. All the participants in these meetings are active participants in the addiction recovery program and have willingly volunteered to participate. Their experiences are genuine and not fabricated. These recordings were created with the express purpose of providing a way for individuals who are isolated from recovery groups to participate, as well as provide an example to church leaders and members of a typical meeting. Today's meeting will discuss Step 6, Change of Heart. Welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meeting. I am Elder Ennis and I am serving as the missionary group leader this evening. Uh, We don't have anybody new here for the first time. Uh, We do have a couple individuals that are missing in action. Even so, we would like to go around the room. We'll start here at my left with Robert and just briefly introduce ourselves.
2: My name is Robert, and I'm an addict alcoholic.
3: Hi, Robert. Hi, Robert. Robert.
2: My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. Hi, Scott.
4: My name's Cammie, and I'm a recovering
5: addict. Hi, Hi
2: Cammie.
5: I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict alcoholic. Hi, Hi Lindsay.
6: Lindsay.
5: I'm Karen. I'm a recovering drug addict. Hi Karen. Hi,
6: Karen. I'm Rich. I'm a child of God. Hi, Rich.
3: Hi, Rich.
7: I'm Abra. I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Abra. Hi, I'm
8: Abra. I am Scott, and I'm a recovering pornography addict.
0: Scott. Hi, Scott. I'm Steve. I'm a... Uh, I suffer from opiate dependency. I nice you. Thank you. Hi.
1: Thank you. Would somebody please volunteer for the opening prayer?
0: Our dear kind and gracious heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be here today and to be able to partake of the spirit of this meeting. Uh, we're thankful for for thy hand in all of our ways and and all the many blessings that come from working the steps. We pray that uh, we might be able to have Thy Spirit to, to be with us today, that our tongues may be loosed and our understanding expanded, that we might be able to say and hear those things that Thou would have us to hear. We pray that we can uh, think back on this Spirit after the conclusion of this meeting, that we might be able to gain strength and uh, insights from, and uh, these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. As with all of our meetings, we open with the mission statement, and that is: the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints addiction recovery meetings assist those who desire to recover from addiction. We also welcome family and friends whose lives may be affected by the addiction of another. We are a group of brothers and sisters who share our experience, faith, and hope. As we study and apply the principles of the gospel as they correlate with the twelve steps of recovery, our meetings provide a safe place for honest sharing because we adhere to the principles of confidentiality and anonymity, and we use appropriate language and behavior to invite the Spirit to be with us. As we practice these twelve steps in our lives, we receive power through the Atonement of Jesus Christ to overcome addiction and receive the full blessings of the gospel. Family and friends who practice these same twelve steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. We will now go around the room and read each of the twelve steps found on page Roman numeral number four within your manual. We invite each person who is willing to read one step. It is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. We'll start here at my left. Step one. Admit that you,
9: of yourself, are powerless to overcome your addictions and that your life has become unmanageable.
2: Step 2. Come to believe that the power of God can restore you to complete spiritual health.
4: Step 3. Decide to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ.
5: Step 4. Make a searching and fearless written moral inventory of yourself. Step 5.
3: Admit to yourself, to your Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ— to proper priesthood authority, and to another person the exact nature of your wrongs.
6: Step 6. Become entirely ready to have God remove all your character weaknesses.
3: Step 7.
7: Humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings.
8: Step 8. Make a written list of all persons you have harmed and become willing to make restitution to them.
0: Step 9. Wherever possible, make direct restitution to all persons you have harmed.
1: Step 10 continue to take personal inventory and when you are wrong promptly admit it step 11 seek through prayer and meditation to know the lord's will
2: and to have the power to carry it out step 12 having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the atonement of jesus christ share this message with
1: others and practice these principles in all you do thank you each week we focus on a different step This week we will read Step 6, starting on page 35, from A Guide to Addiction, Recovering, and Healing. We will go around the room, and each person who is willing may read one or two paragraphs. You may pass if you prefer to listen. We have an extra copy of the guide for you to use in this meeting in case you do not have one. During the reading, listen for thoughts and feelings and experiences you have in common with those who have taken these steps. Let's continue where we left off.
4: Step six, change of heart. Key principle, become entirely ready to have God remove all your character weaknesses. After the rigorous emotional and spiritual cleansing of steps four and five, most of us were amazed at the transformation in ourselves. We prayed more intently, pondered the scriptures more regularly, and kept a journal more consistently. We prepared to make and keep sacred covenants by attending sacrament meeting. As we took step five, Many of us met with our bishops and sought help in repentance. Most of us found our addictions tempted less intensely and less often. Some of us were already free from our addictions. With such mighty changes in our behavior and our lives, some of us
5: wondered why we needed more steps. As time passed though, we noticed that abstinence seemed to make our character weaknesses more visible especially to ourselves. We tried to control our negative thoughts and feelings, but they continued to reappear, haunting us and threatening our new lives of abstinence and church activity. Those who understood the spiritual implications of recovery urged us to recognize that while all the outward changes in our lives were wonderful, the Lord wanted to bless us even more. Our friends helped us see that if we wanted not only to avoid our addictions, but actually lose the desire to return to them— We had to experience a change of heart. This change of heart or desire is the purpose of step six. How,
3: you may cry, how can I even begin to accomplish such a change? Don't be discouraged by these feelings. Step six, like the steps before it, may feel like an overwhelming challenge. As painful as it may be, you may have to admit, as we did, that recognizing and confessing your character weaknesses in steps four and five did not necessarily mean you were ready to give them up. You may realize that you still cling to old ways of reacting to and coping with stresses in life, maybe even more so now that you have let go of your addictions.
6: Probably the most humbling thing to acknowledge is that you still harbor a prideful desire to change without the help of God. Step six means surrendering to God all remnants of pride and self-will. Like steps one and two, step six requires you to humble yourself and admit your need for the redeeming and transforming power of Christ. After all, His atoning sacrifice has enabled you to accomplish each step to this point. Step six is no exception.
7: As you come unto Jesus Christ, seeking help with this step, you will not be disappointed. If you trust Him and have patience with the process, you will see your pride gradually replaced by humility. He will wait patiently for you to weary of your own unaided effort to change. As soon as you turn to Him, you will witness once again His love and power in your behalf. Your resistance to letting go of old patterns of behavior will be replaced by an open mind as the Spirit gently suggests a better way of living. Your fear of change will diminish as you realize the Lord understands the pain and hard work it requires.
8: As the process of coming unto Christ takes hold in your heart— You will find the false beliefs that fuel negative thoughts and feelings gradually replaced by truth. You will grow in strength as you continue to study the Word of God and ponder its personal application. Through the testimony of others, the Lord will help you learn the truth that you are not beyond His power to heal. The desire to blame others for the condition of your character or to rationalize your way out of a change of heart will be replaced by a desire to be accountable to Him and submissive to His will. Through the prophet Ezekiel, the Lord declared, A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh.
0: The Lord wants to bless you with a change of disposition that will unite you with Him in mind and heart, just as He is united with the Father. He wants to give you rest from your isolation from God the Father, the isolation that caused the fears which contributed to your addiction. He wants to make the atonement effective in your life here and now. As you yield to the promptings of the Spirit and look to the Savior for salvation, not only from addiction but from character weaknesses, you can be assured that a new disposition or character will grow out of your willing heart. A growing desire to be sanctified by God will make you ready for a change in your very nature. One of the best descriptions of this process can be found in these words of President Ezra Taft Benson. The Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums. Christ takes the slums out of the people, and then they take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. May we be convinced that Jesus is the Christ, choose to follow Him, be changed for Him, captained by Him, consumed in Him, and born again.
1: Thank you. These 12 steps are a program of action. As we read the section called Action Steps, we learn about recovery and gospel actions we can take to come unto Christ and receive power to live in recovery from addiction. Let's continue the reading.
9: Be willing to allow the Savior to convert your heart. Participate in the fellowship of Christ by attending Sunday School, Relief Society, or priesthood meeting. When we were baptized, few of us understood the lifelong process of true conversion. However, President Marion G. Romney of the First Presidency explained it plainly. In one who is really wholly converted, desire for things contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ has actually died. And substitute, therefore, is a love of God with a fixed and
2: controlling determination to keep His commandments. As you experience the miracle of ongoing recovery, first from destructive, addictive behaviors, and then from character weaknesses, you will experience true conversion. You will begin to awaken, to come to yourself just as the prodigal son came to himself. You will begin to realize that to return to Heavenly Father's kingdom, you must not only awake, but arise and allow Jesus Christ to be your Redeemer.
4: As you yield your heart to God and grow stronger in humility, your resolve not to repeat past behaviors will become firmer and firmer. Delivered from the bondage of the past, you will feel more and more comfortable among brothers and sisters in the church. You will find yourself desiring to return and be gathered as a child of God and numbered in full fellowship among the sheep of
5: his fold. Be willing to be changed so imperfections may be removed through the power of God. Whether your addiction has been to alcohol, drugs, gambling, pornography, self-destructive eating patterns, compulsive spending, or another behavior or substance that represents your need to run and hide from stress or challenges in your life, you can come to realize that it all began in your mind and heart. Healing also begins in your mind and heart. As you become willing to be changed by coming unto Jesus Christ, you will learn of His power to heal.
3: By taking step six, you increase your commitment to abstain from past addictions through a deepening relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ, and with the Father who sent Him. You decide to become sober-minded like the young prophet Mormon. See Mormon one fifteen. You continue to accept that God must truly become everything to you in order to save you from weaknesses of thought, word, and action.
1: Thank you. We will now turn the time over to our facilitator, Robert, to conduct the sharing portion of this meeting.
9: Hi, everybody. My name's Robert, and I'm a drug addict and alcoholic.
2: Robert. And Robert.
9: Delighted to be with you again. Uh, you know, the good news is... I don't struggle much with my addiction. I'm not tempted to use drugs or alcohol. The bad news is I still struggle with some of my character weaknesses, being unwilling to to give them up, if you will. You know, I'm the greatest advocate that the uh, most desirable quality or spiritual gift is that of humility, and yet I struggle with pride all the time. I still find myself to be a prideful person, and it's a, you know, it just, it just makes me nuts, if you want to know the truth. But probably better to struggle with that than waiting for my, you know, trying to find my next, uh, my drug dealer or my next whatever. So change of heart, you know, what is that? I know what it is because I experienced it. Uh, I keep talking about my my jail experience because that's where the, some of the most profound Things in my life took place. Uh, One of the things, it was like a, you know, I didn't even know what happened. Uh, But what I do know is that when I walked out of that jail cell after this miraculous recovery, this virtually instantaneous uh, uh, relief from my addiction, is that I felt different. Uh, I think I looked different. those who have a change of heart have a have a different countenance. It's visible. You can see it. I see it on your faces. And you can and you can tell when somebody has this, this change of heart in their life, their behavior is different, their look is different, and their countenance is different. One of the scriptures I like that the most that describes what a change of heart is, is is found in Mosiah where, and I've repeated this before, I think, uh, when King Benjamin was up there in his tower and everybody had their tents faced forward and an inquiry was made as to what the effect of his teachings were on the people. and Virtually with one accord, they all said our mighty change has been wrought in our heart. And we no longer have a desire to do evil, but to do good continually. And, uh, you know, it's so great to uh, not worry about the addictive part of my behavior before, at least a a big addiction I had, and be able to work on character defects that I'm either reluctant to or have difficulty with still. But, but hey, that's got to be better than what we were doing before, right? (laughs) So I, I... you know, I just, it just, it was like the first time in my life I had peace. I didn't know what peace felt like. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. Life is so good I can hardly stand it. And uh, I'm so grateful for these steps, this this step, change of heart. I'm trying hard to get rid of my character weaknesses. Uh, I have a, I'm have adverse to giving some of them up still. Just keep working on it. leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
8: Amen. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert. Okay.
9: We will now begin the sharing portion of the meeting. Share about your personal recovery experience as it relates to the tools of recovery, this week's step, or the step you are currently working on. Please focus your sharing on the solution rather than the problem. Refrain from mentioning graphic details about the practice of your addiction. Remember, crosstalk, which is interrupting or commenting directly about another participant's remarks, is not appropriate. Also, it is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. Confidentiality and anonymity foster honesty and make this a safe place to share. Therefore, whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. In keeping with the principle of anonymity, we invite you to introduce yourself by your first name only. We'll conclude the sharing portion five minutes before the end of the meeting for final thoughts from Elder Ennis. Time is now yours to share your experience, faith, and hope. We invite you to share three to five minutes, and this meeting will proceed clockwise, person to person around the room. Who would be like to who would like to begin the
0: sharing? Hi, everybody. I'm Steve. Hi, Steve. Uh, I'm an addict alcoholic. Uh, but more importantly, today I'm a I'm a love child of God. Um, a couple things I wanted to to talk about um, how these meetings have blessed my life and helped me to to have a change of heart. Um, it's been referred to as the as one of the first addiction recovery meetings uh, in D.N.C. 88, but I want to even go back further. And uh, go back to Proverbs with King Solomon, and and uh, talk about uh, his counsel that that we should attend these meetings. And he says, and I quote, "A tell bearer revealeth secrets. That sounds like anonymity for us, right? But he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth a matter. And that's what we have here in these meetings: is uh, we conceal the matter. Where no counsel is, the people fall." Uh, but but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Um, Solomon was known for his wisdom, and I'm 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 thankful for that counsel because I mean I, I, I find so much safety in these meetings. Um, but as far as this step goes, and uh, my character weaknesses, because uh, if I started writing them down, we'd be here all night. Um, I find it the, the easier road um, to to look at um, what the positive things of character is. You look at Christ and he had a, he had a, or he has a perfect character. He, he loves perfectly. He has charity perfectly. He, he, uh, he's, uh, he's chaste. He's, he's virtuous. He's uh, uh, benevolent. Um, I mean we could we could keep going uh honesty integrity these things these things are of character and anything uh opposite of that is is our character weaknesses so so if you think of the or the opposite of chastity there's a character weakness you think of a opposite of uh love which is hate that's a character weakness anger is a character weakness Um, and I of myself have, have never been, um, powerful enough to, to remove those on my own. Uh, it seems like the more I try, uh, the, the more those things are staring me in the face. Um, it's a daily process for me. Um, when I wake up and my knees hit the floor, I ask Heavenly Father to remove, to remove those character weaknesses because, um, Every day we're faced with temptations to lie, cheat, and steal, especially as addicts. Um, and he has done so. And, and because of those character weaknesses being gone, um, I've noticed a, a much better quality in life. I don't have to be angry anymore. I don't have to feel offended if somebody disagrees with me. Um, I just, I just move on and and uh, continue with my peace. I, I'm so grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful for these meetings, like I said, and 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 the blessings that that come into my life from them. Um, you know, I, three years ago, I was in the worst worst place I've ever been in my life. I was at the uh, gates of hell, and uh, and I, I just I wished I could die. I mean, I was in misery, and that is because of those character weaknesses. Our addiction, or our addiction, is a symptom of of other causes and conditions, and and those other causes and conditions come from those character weaknesses. Um, as a man thinketh, so is he. Um, I, once Heavenly Father removes those, and and our thoughts change. I mean, our behaviors change, and 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 the quality of life that we have is is just unbelievable. Um, uh, Christ is real, uh, and He lives. I bear witness of that. And and because of Him, I have I have this quality of life. And and the more I align my c- character with His, the less of these character weaknesses I have, and I bear witness to that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. amen.
1: Thanks, Steve.
2: My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. I'm just grateful to be here tonight and this— group of friends and fellow recovering addicts and um this past week has been you know kind of a roller coaster of up and downs um you know we my wife cammy and i went to the the funeral on saturday for our friend and um it was uh kind of a it wasn't really a you know some funerals I've been to where some people have lived their life you know just so wonderful and so you you leave feeling just upbeat and excited and and I I didn't get that kind of feeling you know at my friend's funeral there was some some things that were positive you know but the fact that he uh died in his addiction was kind of a downer and and I mentioned last week that when I first came to these meetings in 2002, there was, there was like four of us down in the, the Provo or Utah County meetings that we all just kind of clicked up trying to, to get, you know, support each other and to to get some sobriety and to change our lives. And, and this, and now, you know, today there's only two of us left. So two of us have died, my two other friends. and, and um, uh, you know, and, and my one other friend now has, I think, five months clean, and hopefully he'll keep on that path. And I'm blessed enough to have eight years clean this past April, and and, uh, um, and it's not because of anything I've done. You know, because like you know, if it was up to me and my wants, you know, I would have kept using. But Heavenly Father had different plans for me and he, you know, like snatched me out of my awful sinful and polluted state and gave me the opportunity to to get sober minded enough to um to get you know some years behind me so that I could uh think clearly and 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 get you know the sobriety that I needed. And um you know concerning this step I you know when I started in this program I I honestly didn't really want to get sober. I was just coming to appease my family. And I remember I did finally get a sponsor, and, you know, he... I told him, you know, I was, I was honest. I was like, you know, I'm basically trying to get back on my feet enough where I can get money and a car again and get my license back and not my intentions are to, to use more responsibly. You know, I want to use, but I just want to do it more responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like... He's just like, oh my gosh, Scott. You know, like <laughs> he's all, de- he's all. I'm gonna ask you. He goes, it sounds like you don't even have the desire, and and he's and and there was times that I was, I wanted to quit, you know, but it's like my desire was not there, and so he's he'd suggested to me, is I'll pray for the desire to have the desire, you know, because like you don't even have the desire, and so pray for the desire for the desire. And, and so I did that and, um, I actually did that once I was incarcerated because even when I was incarcerated, I, I still thought, well, if they only give me six months, I'm going to get out and, um, you know, I'll I'll make people believe that I'm changed. And then once they turn their back, then, you know, I'll try to see if I can just use on the weekends or something or, (laughs) you know, it's like, and anyway, it just, it didn't luckily it didn't happen and i ended up doing several many years in there and so by the time i got out i was my my you know like robert was saying i i i had a change of heart i today i don't i don't desire that it, it can flash through my mind you know like i i was driving by this place today and it just it was obviously like a, a sports pub or whatever and and i just kind of glanced over and i was like Oh, I yeah, I could go in there and get a drink if I wanted, and then I was like, no, I don't do that anymore. I just you know, immediately it was just like, you know, we're before, I, you know, I've just learned to acknowledge it and move on, basically, is what I'm saying. You know, like I don't dwell on it, I don't um fight it, I just acknowledge it's there and move on. You know, and and I'm grateful for that. That's what the program's given me and and I know that I know that today that today all I have to worry about and this is a how I work my program is I just focus on today. And, you know, when I'm struggling, I'll just say, you know, I know that I can make it to midnight and after midnight, then, you know, I'll worry about the next day, but I just focus on one day at a time. Cause that's how, that's that kind of addict I am. And I'm grateful to be here tonight with all my friends and, you know, and I'm, I just love this program. It's changed my life, and I, I'm so thankful to my heavenly Father for giving me a second chance, and and the fact that you know I'm not six feet under right now, and that I have an opportunity for a new life. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. amen.
0: amen. amen. Thanks, God.
2: Thanks, Thanks, God. God.
4: Uh, <coughs> Hi, my name's Cami, and I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Hi, Cammy. Um. Having a change of heart has been really important in my recovery, um, and I think, well, first of all, um, while well, in my addiction, I was really prideful. I didn't think Heavenly Father could help me. I didn't want Heavenly Father to help me. I didn't care if Heavenly Father wanted to help me, so I just didn't care to to ask, and I just kind of thought uh, church was church. But um, one part that I've always I've always care about um, the gospel is eternal families. And um, my family was always concerned about my eating disorder, and they always, uh, at least my mom, always suggests that I ask my heavenly father for help. And um, almost two years ago when I finally had my change of heart and uh, starting, started asking Heavenly Father for help. That's when I had my change of heart. And I think, I know my Heavenly Father knows what's important to me and those are the things that he really does help me with. And
10: Um, my my eating disorder was really hard for me, and I didn't feel like anyone understood it, especially my family. My mom thought it was her fault, which it wasn't. It's not. And, um, I always, like, every day I just planned on quitting the next day. Or when I was skinny enough, I was gonna stop. And I had all these silly rules in my mind. And, um, it took up all my time. And, um, even when I went to church, um, the things people said either um, made it worse. The most things people said made it worse. And um, uh, sometimes, well, even today, which is kind of hard for me, going to church is still kind of something I struggle with. Uh, we go every week, but um, I don't know, I guess... Um, just the other ladies in Relief Society, it just really bothers me how people are so focused on, um, what they look like and other things. And, um, but I know that because it's such a struggle for me, it's where I'm supposed to be. But, I'm so grateful today that I can just. Kind of like what Scott was talking about is just to kind of have a little trigger. Like, one of the things people think about is they base what they're gonna eat next on what they ate before, which is a silly thing to do. And I had that come into my mind and I was like, that is ridiculous. And so it quickly left my mind and I know it's only because my Heavenly Father knows that I don't want this in my life anymore. It's just amazing to me and I'm just really grateful for this program. I never thought that, you know, coming to this meeting, coming to these meetings would be my favorite thing. Um, I love being surrounded by other addicts and just, um, you know, everyone's nonjudgmental and it's just a really great place to be and you can really feel our Savior's love here and for other people. It's helped me to be, I think, just more caring for other people. And, you know, I'm still working on Getting rid of my character weaknesses, but I'm grateful that I don't have to, you know, struggle with this. It's just kind of a minor detail in my life, and
5: I say these things, I'm just crazy, man. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, Kenny.
6: Kenny. Thanks
5: Kenny. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict, alcoholic. Hi, I'm Liz. um, I am so grateful to be here tonight and so grateful to be sober so grateful to have so many friends who care about me today. I was thinking about it um, in the book it talks about being in isolation and coming out of isolation quite a bit. I feel like it's repeated a lot throughout this book and as I was praying last night, I just realized I have so many good friends that support me today that I did not have in my addiction. I had nobody. I was so totally alone and I just I didn't see any way out. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. Um, today I feel like I have an army of people behind me, um, on this side and on the other side of the veil, for sure. I have people working in my behalf to help me along this path of my recovery In the book it, um, in step six, it talks about, it says probably the most humbling thing to acknowledge is that you still harbor a prideful desire to change without the help of God. For me, I went to, I did jail and I did the treatment thing and I, I definitely got my heart pricked a few times and my heart got softened over time. Um, but my change of heart did not happen for a little ways into my recovery. It was actually about nine and a half months ago now. (laughs) And I remember I got to this point, I was just so miserable in recovery and I was, um, white knuckling it as they say. And I was so angry and I was so mean and so irritable. And I, I wasn't really going to these meetings. I, I had been introduced to them, but I wasn't going consistently yet, um, And I remember even getting really frustrated with my kids. And that's what really tore me apart and took me to my knees um, really fast is because I just did not have the patience with them that they deserved and that I knew that I needed to have with them. Um, And so this went on for a while, and I finally got to the point in my life where I couldn't make any choices in recovery. I didn't know if I should go left or right or forward or backward or what shirt to put on. I just was so immobilized by fear. I was so stuck and so trapped by fear. And they talk about in AA about um, being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, I got to a point where I was sick and tired of being stuck in fear, you know, of not making any choices. And I finally got to the point where I was willing to make a mistake as long as I could make A choice. As long as I could move in some direction, I was okay. Um, and I, I got to that point and I remember just praying to my heavenly father and I just said, look, I have to move. I have to do something because I cannot live this way anymore. I cannot stay trapped. I cannot be stuck. So you need to help me make this choice and all these choices. There were a lot of things going on in my life. Um, and I just asked him for help, and I just asked him to guide me and um, to walk beside me. And, you know, if I made a mistake, I asked him to help me learn from him, you know. <clears throat> but I had to keep moving forward. And at that point, that's when I um, I finally, I feel like I received that change of heart. Um, I started to do things his way. And that's when all of my, well, not, I still have a lot of um, shortcomings and weaknesses. But there are a lot of things I still struggled with for a long time. I still struggled with. Smoking and coffee and and anger and um, and I wasn't going to church yet and I wasn't paying my tithing and there were so many things I still wasn't doing even though I really wanted to do to do all of them I wasn't um, and at that point when I made that choice and I um, I feel like I finally received that change of heart all of those behaviors that would keep me from you know being worthy to enter the temple and to and to feel the Holy Ghost all the time and to have the companionship all the time, those behaviors finally left me. Um, they just disappeared. I didn't have to try to make them go away anymore. You know, it was talked about earlier in the meeting about the more we try to make those character weaknesses go away, the more they, like, reappear and the larger they become. And that's what was happening for me, you know. It was, the more I tried, it was just, like, beating my head against the wall. And I was getting absolutely nowhere. And as soon as I just turned it over and just focused on what I had control over, they all went away. Um, today I still <laughs> struggle with a lot of other character weaknesses now. Um, thankfully though, you know, those are the things that keep me kind of humble. I, I don't want to say humble because <laughs> I'm not and I struggle with pride, but, um, they keep me going to my knees and they keep me seeking, um, for truth and to connect to my Heavenly Father. And so I'm grateful for those shortcomings today. I'm grateful that it's a constant. It's a constant thing, and it's an everyday thing. It's something we have to work on every single day. And I'm so grateful for that because I get to pray to my Heavenly Father every day, and I get to have a relationship with Him all the time. And I talk to Him all the time today. Um, this week, I've been, you know, preparing to to go to the temple, and that is because of the change of heart that I've experienced for sure. Um, And I'm so grateful for that opportunity and to be able to have the opportunity to to go through the temple and um, to walk into his house and to partake of those blessings and um, to become closer to my Heavenly Father. And it's because of the change of heart I've experienced. I have such a testimony of the atonement. You know, um, it's an ever-present power that we can call upon at any time of, of any day. It does not matter what we're doing. It is always working for us is what I believe. I feel like it's working whether we see it or not. It's up to us to choose to let it work for us. Um, and to take hold of that and to harness it and to have it work for us. But it's it's our choice, but it's always there. It's always available, um, and there's so much power in it. It can make us so much more than we really are. Um, I've experienced that. I feel like I just—I don't really know how to do anything in recovery, I feel like. Um, but through the atonement, I'm able to to be a mom and to show up and to go to school and do all these things I never imagined doing. Um, You know, today I, I still get fearful. I still have all of those same feelings come up. I still get scared. I still have feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy, especially with school now. I have a paper, an essay come up, and I'm like, my first reaction is, I can't do that. I can't write that. (laughs) There's no way. I'm going to fail. And I'm so extreme. The only difference today is I choose to walk through it, and I choose to take a step forward, even though I might be feeling a little fearful. And pretty much always, I have been able to get through it, and it's been better, and I've gained more confidence, Um, And it's just been such a better experience. Um, And I have one thing I just kind of want to leave. I heard this a long, long time ago from this awesome person. And for anybody who is struggling and who is lost and alone and in the corner (laughs) of their room, you know, in that darkness and that confusion, and maybe you don't know if Heavenly Father is really there. Maybe you don't know if He really loves you. I challenge you to get down on your knees and just pray and ask three simple questions. Do you know who I am? Do you know where I am? And do I really matter to you? And I promise if you ask those three questions and you pray every day for even a week, you will feel the Holy Ghost confirm to you that you are a daughter or a son of God and that he loves you so very much and he knows exactly where you are and what you're going through. I have a testimony of this program and that it works. Um, you know, we have to work it. It's a program of action, and um, it has blessed my life in ways that I can't even count, and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.
9: Amen. Thanks, Thank
3: Thank Lindsay. Thank Hi, I'm Karen. I'm a recovering drug addict. Hi, Hi Karen. And I think it's amazing how people that we've met in recovery can make such an impact on us, like Lindsay was talking about that quote, and I was thinking about last week when I was, didn't have a very good week, and I came here, and the impact even just coming to this meeting had on me and changed the way that I spent my last week. I mean, I spent the week reading the articles that were mentioned and reading the scriptures that were mentioned, and there's a lot of power in these meetings because people here are turning us to Christ, and I realize that all of us are just humans, mortals. But we're turning each other to God, and that's what makes it powerful, I think. So another girl that I've met in recovery, actually, we talked about step five last week and how I did it the first time and it didn't work so well. And then the second time, this girl that I read my step five to the second time when I really did it with the right spirit, once I got done reading it to her, she said to me, now I want you to go home and pray that you will see yourself the way Heavenly Father sees you. And that's the word, that's the final words she gave to me. And I just thought of that as we were reading through this step that just because I've gone through this trial or these hardships and I've made bad choices or whatever, I don't have to let that define me forever and ever. I'm not that person anymore. And that's not how. Christ saw me necessarily. And I have felt that, that he doesn't see me as an addict, even though I say that after I introduce myself. Um, He doesn't look at me and think, oh, there's Karen, the addict. Um, So that's, I'm really grateful for that when she said that. Um, I really do believe we can change our heart. It says here, um, where was it? The Lord wants to bless you with a change of disposition, And this gives me a lot of hope because I really didn't like myself that much when I was in the middle of my addiction. In fact, when I first started going to meetings, first fresh into recovery, when I was kind of probably going for the wrong reasons still, but at least I was going, I remember going to a 12-step meeting that wasn't one of these LDS ones, but I remember one of the old-timers, they call him, and he said... Not a, I have been sober for 25 years, and not a day goes by that I don't think about drinking. And I heard that when I had like 30 days or something, and I just was so devastated. I'm like, are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> I am going to feel like this forever, and like for 25 years you still can't stand life? <laughs> How depressing is that? I mean, why bother, you know? And I truly felt that way. it's like, what is the point if that if you don't if not a day goes by that you don't suffer with this, I don't want that so this step really really gives me hope because it it teaches us that we actually can heal we can overcome these things. it's not just putting up with them it's not just dealing with them for the rest of the life our lives and a lot of people say once you're an addict, you're always an addict and and maybe maybe we have those tendencies more or maybe, I don't know, maybe we don't. But I really believe that we can be healed from it. And um, that's not saying Satan's not going to throw in that little thought in our head every now and then and say, remember drugs? Remember how fun that was? You know, we could still get that, but we can be healed. It's not about... Enduring a miserable life for the rest of our lives because we've had this experience and because we've had this thing that's physiologically altered our brain or whatever, so um, I truly believe that Jesus Christ can heal the chemicals in my brain just like he can heal cancer or he can heal these other things if you know if if that's his will, of course, we have to be careful to make sure we know what His will is, and it's going to be His will that we don't use, but whether or not we're healed overnight doesn't really matter, because like it said here, um, few of us understood the lifelong process of true conversion. Um, It probably will be a process for us to overcome and be healed, for the most part. I bet most of us will take a little longer, but that doesn't mean we're not being healed, and... Um, I just remember once when I received a healing for an ear infection or a blessing for an ear infection. um, I could not believe that it didn't just immediately go away after this blessing when they told me it would be healed. It did start healing at that point, and it didn't get any worse, but it still had to go through the natural process of healing, and it took a few days or whatever that it takes for an ear infection. Well, it's the same concept with this, our healing has begun it's probably not complete but it has begun and it's in process and we are getting better and one day we will be completely better and we need to believe that and how have hope in that and not get discouraged by what we've done in the past not get discouraged by the bad days or whatever just realize it's all part of this process of conversion that everybody goes through and it's a struggle that's what we're here in mortality for so I truly believe that he can change our hearts, change our dispositions and change how we think and react and do things and we can have hope in a change that is complete when it is his will and when when we have done what we need to do and learn what we need to learn we can be completely healed from this and I testify of that in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. 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 Thanks. Thanks,
6: Karen. Thanks, Karen. My name is Rich. Hi, Rich. Hi, Rich. I am a child of God. I am very grateful to be here this evening. Um, step six and change of heart is really one of the the original um, gospel principles. It's conversion. It's the changing of of one into another. Um, I read this paragraph uh, during the reading portion, uh, but a couple things stood out to me. It says, Probably the most humbling thing to acknowledge is that you still harbor a prideful desire to change without the help of God. And then it says, Step six means to surrender to God all remnants of pride and self-will. Um, step the step, uh, step six, and the change of heart, used to believe was uh, an event or uh, a process in that way. I now see it as a gift. Um, and the reason that I say that is um, the Lord through Ezekiel, also in this manual, says, a new heart will I give you. It's a gift. Um, for me, the harder part of receiving a gift is accepting it. I've been given this gift through the atonement of Jesus Christ. I have it in my hands. I know what it is. Am I willing to open it? Am I willing to, to take the step to do that? Am I willing to change? What I've learned through this, this process um, is that my best friend is Jesus Christ. He gave me so much. Am I willing to give up anything for Him? And if my answer is not yes, then I'm not in that right frame of mind. When I struggle with trying to get rid of a character weakness or this part of my life that I want to change, I have to picture the scenes of the atonement. I have to picture Jesus Christ walking a long, lonely walk, having nails driven through his hands and his wrists, and being lifted up on the cross because he loved me that much. And then I can realize, do I need this? Do I need this character weakness? Do I need to hang on to this? Is this struggle worth it? because I don't want to be the one that makes the decision that sends that pain and inflicts more pain on them, on my Savior, Jesus Christ. I have these moments where I'm struggling with something, and I'm trying to make the right choice, and I think, would I want Jesus Christ to suffer the consequences for my choice? And having Jesus Christ as a best friend, someone that I look up to, someone that I trust, makes it easier for me to let go of a lot of things. I don't claim to have perfection in any of these areas. If anything, I learn more and more about this process, this change of heart. I'm grateful for the atonement. I'm grateful for this gift. I'm grateful for the gift that I have to continually renew this change of heart that I was given. I have to continue to use that gift. I testify of the atonement of Jesus Christ. I testify that men and women can be given the gift of a change of heart. I testify of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
7: Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rich. Hi, Maybra. Hi. Hi. I'm a recovering addict. Um, for me, um, my change of heart um, came long after I was sober. Um, I had quit using, you know, I've talked about that because the doctors had told me I had to. And so I was really resentful about being sober. I, I thought, you know, it'd be great if I could just use one more time, if I could just drink one more time. If You know, why do I have to have this locked? I don't want to be sober. You know, and even after I went to the temple, I would think, you know, who's going to know if I just do one more time? You know, well, God's going to know. You're, what are you talking about? Um, so then I started coming to these meetings, then, and, and I, and when we got to step six, and it was talked about a change of heart. I thought, you know, what are my shortcomings? Well, I come from a very long line of prideful people. I, you know, my grandparents were prideful. My mother was prideful. My dad's prideful. So I was just came by pride really naturally. I just, you know, I, it was like handed down through the generations, I think, you know. And um so I realized I had to to work on my pride and and then I realized as I read through the material in step 6 that I might have been sober, but I wasn't in recovery. I wasn't I wasn't someone who was actually clean and sober. Um I wasn't in recovery. I had stopped using, but I I hadn't really given it up. I thought about it all the time, of my own choosing. I, you know, I would go into situations where there would be people using because well, I'm not going to use. I know I can't. But it's okay if they do because I can go in there and sit with them and it's not going to bother me because I know I can't use. So I was putting myself into situations where I could very possibly have, have gotten myself into a lot of trouble. And it wasn't until I realized that um, I needed to really work on my change of heart, changing who I was, and... um turning myself to my Heavenly Father and really becoming that person who um, gave myself to my Heavenly Father. And um, so I had been sober probably nine, eight years, about eight years, eight and a half years, before I actually became someone who was in recovery. And I had been to the temple. I had had you know, done all those things. Um, but I know now that, you know, you don't put yourself in dangerous situations. You know, you don't go sit with the, the dealers that you used to hang out with and, you know, you don't go sit with them because you know, you're not going to use because you'll die. And you don't go sit with them while they go and do their drugs and smoke, whatever. And because you're just putting yourself out there to be, you know, doing stupid things and Um, and I still, you know, like everybody else, I have those moments where something will come into my mind and, or I'll, you know, my husband and I actually saw one of our, of our friends, one of our dealer friends, and he's like, oh, come over, we haven't seen you for like three or four years, you know? And I'm like, dude, you know? And I, I said, I looked at my husband and I said, we, we've got to leave. We had just seen him at a a grocery store, and I says, we've got to go. Don't, I'm not even going to stand here and talk to him. We've just, you know, and my husband was like, you're right, we've got to go and you know i realized then that i really had changed my heart that i really had come unto my heavenly father and i had really gained that testimony of that change in behavior really had changed my heart i had i had brought myself to a point where i knew that my heavenly father was the center of my life and not being mad because i couldn't use and being angry at myself because I had gotten sick and I couldn't use and and that that truly being a child of my Heavenly Father and having him love me was what was making me happy. And I am so thankful to this program because I can say now that I am clean and sober. And I'm clean and sober minded. And I think now today that I, you know, I, I can say that I have eleven years sober and I am clean and, and sober minded and that's what makes me happy now and coming to these meetings and and seeing all of you and 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 being with people that are sober makes me a lot happier than being with people that aren't sober um, I don't think I could have said that you know three or four years ago i I thought sober people were insane um, <laughs> but um, you know even being sober I thought you know sober people are no fun because I was miserable in my sobriety um, but I'm glad now that I'm sober and I've had that change of heart. I still have character weaknesses. I am still I still work on my pride all the time. Um I still work on, you know, getting up at my husband goes to work at, at four in the morning and I have to get up at three thirty, four o'clock and read my scriptures. And that is a horrible time to get up and read your scriptures, I'm telling you right now. But, you know, I, I work on that. That's stuff I have to work on and, and I'm thankful to my Heavenly Father that when I screw up he loves me anyway and and I'm thankful to this program because it has changed my life and it saved my life. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen.
1: amen.
8: Thanks, Abraham. Thanks, Abraham. Abra. Hi, I'm Scott. Hi, yeah. Scott. I've got so many things running through my mind tonight. I hope I'm not just going to be blubbering from one thing to the next and not making any sense. So bear with me if I do. For me, this this section, as I was reading through this this morning and pondering over This concept, a lot of things came to me, but kind of the foremost thought that kind of started stimulating a chain of other thoughts was the whole notion of the change of heart for me has been a matter of balancing what's my part versus what's God's part. I've always needed to see a real direct correlation between my efforts and the results. And for whatever reason, it may be personal to me, but God seemed to have a real purpose in showing me that my efforts aren't going to be what's going to heal me of a particular weakness. I've done a f- fair amount of reading from Paul, all his writings over the last, oh, six, eight months, and it just amazes me. He's, he's my current hero. He so wanted to have his thorn in his flesh, whatever that was removed, and best as we know it wasn't. But he truly came to a point where he gloried in his adversity, in his weakness, and realized how much that weakness was a gift of God that God was using to humble him, to bring him to God so God could then take away his weakness. Instead of my focusing on my weakness, be it one or the other, which— we were hearing a list earlier, and yeah, you could che- we can each check off our fifty or sixty weaknesses off that list, but he's just had to show me that i've just got to be willing and committed to doing what he wants, but he's going to make the change in his own timetable and on in what area he sees fit i've really come to learn how important it is. For to have someone that's pushing my buttons. For me, it's my wife. For my wife, it's me. (laughs) And I've heard time and time again how the reason why there's so many second divorces are so much quicker and third third marriages are so much quicker divorcing than, you know, and on and on it goes because those people that didn't figure out things the first time, they're just going to have more things the second time. And fortunately, we're very committed at this point to help each other figure out our stuff and our weaknesses by, not purposefully, but kind of automatically pushing each other's buttons. A couple of the things that really stood out to me in my journey the last six and a half, seven years um, of examples that were really holding back my sobriety and recovery and healing, I, I had a real issue with blame and resentment. I resented the fact that I had 11 brothers and sisters, five or six of them probably that had parents that were pretty much there with them and really involved. And then getting to a point where they just didn't have a whole lot left to give and kind of raised myself in a very crowded house, but where everyone was there for themselves. And I I justified a lot of things for a lot of years by blaming those human and kind of weak parents. And then once I got married, I couldn't blame them a whole lot. I did a little bit, but then I shifted to blaming my wife. She wasn't as loving, as nurturing as as this or that and all the other things. I had my list of if she was just this way, I wouldn't probably have this problem. I always knew it was a problem, never thought it was okay or thought it wasn't worth, worth changing, but I sure thought I would care a lot better about it and do more, more work on it if someone else changed instead of me. Somewhere along the way, though, while I was busy focusing on a different weakness, which I had a counselor tell me, you know, you got a lot of other weaknesses besides your addiction you could work on. And it's like, wow, what a concept. <laughs> I'd never, I had been so tunnel vision and so focused on pornography addiction that I didn't even see anything else. I didn't see how I was isolating from everyone, that I ran from everything that I blamed and resented and did all these things. But once he said that, it's like, wow, maybe if he could help me with a little weakness, then maybe there's hope for this big one. Because I'd kind of given up hope even though I knew I needed to keep trying. Well, I, I picked a couple things and didn't seem to find much help. But while I was working on those, I all of a sudden realized I didn't blame my parents anymore. I wasn't resentful of all those things I didn't get from my wife anymore. It just kind of God had taken it away. He changed me while I wasn't looking. As I continued to work on some other things and expressed more gratitude and re- recognized more of my blessings, I found he started taking away some other things. I I had long since felt a lot of relief, like a lot of addicts do by unloading all, make their big confession particularly with pornography addicts, to their wife, dumped all my stuff and felt great relief. I finally realized again, while I wasn't really looking for that, how much I had hurt her. I was focusing on my pain, and I realized how much I had hurt her and how that pile of rocks I had dumped out, I had dumped right on her. Now she was trying to carry it around. Every time she showed me one of those rocks, I would either throw it back at her or I'd just say, that's not a rock. You don't don't show me that. And I, but God showed me what I had done. And again, I don't think I would have had those weaknesses shown to me or those things gradually removed had I not been working on something else. So I, this, the old saying, I'm not sure how it goes. Let's see, work like it all depends on you, but pray as if it all depends on God. And that was so important. And I, I know if I quit doing something, even if, it's a feeble effort it kind of ties God's hands on working in a different area in my life last thing I've got a lot of other thoughts but before I I get cut off over there by (laughs) someone shared an analogy with me and it was just really opened my eyes in a lot of ways I felt like I was in a hole for a long time and someone gave the analogy and maybe you've all heard it but um it made a lot of sense to me. He basically said, you know, there was a farmer that had a donkey that fell down a deep hole. He tied a rope around his neck and tried pulling it out and pulling this way and that way. Long and short of it, he couldn't get it out. So he decided rather, rather than have it starve down there in that hole, he was going to put it out of its misery. So he started shoveling dirt, rocks, manure, whatever he had at hand down into that hole. Well, every time something would land on the head of the donkey, he'd just kind of shake it off and step aside and... Gradually, that level of the dirt just kept raising higher and higher and higher, and pretty soon he was close enough to the top, he just hopped out of there. Yeah, He was dirty and bruised and banged up a bit, and I think each of us, I know I have often felt from other people, my wife, in-laws, various people felt like they're just throwing all sorts of crap on top of me, and God feels like does the same thing at times, but Come to realize, oftentimes, maybe all the time, that stuff that's being thrown on top of me is exactly what I need to get freedom. And I'm so grateful that God knows what I need and has been doing that for me. And I've got a long ways to go, as my wife will attest. Um, but I'm grateful for a loving Heavenly Father that knows and helps me in that way. And I bring you that witness. I am so grateful for the love of my Heavenly Father and the Savior. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Scott.
2: Thanks, Scott. Thanks Scott.
0: Scott.
9: Well, thank you all so very much. Another wonderful, wonderful meeting. Elder Ennis, we're going to, as usual, give you the last word.
1: Uh, thank you, Robert. Uh, hi, I'm Elder Ennis. Hi, Elder Ennis. Uh, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to be here with you tonight. You know, uh, step six, uh, step six for me, I still struggle with step six. Uh, It's a hard one just because of the core beliefs that uh, for so many years I've believed in. Uh, The incorrect traditions of myself, uh, the incorrect definitions that I uh, define myself with, uh, my self-worth, my self-value for so many years— I program myself to believe a certain way um at this particular point, once we are at the threshold of step six uh you know we've we've gone through and step one we'd admit, we admitted to ourselves uh step two we came to believe that it was only the power of God that could restore us you know step three we decided to turn our will over to god uh step four we made our list of everything, and in step five, we confessed our sins. Um, I think the first five steps, once we've accomplished them, we've arrived at the point where Elder Maxwell said, uh, as we place our will or our agency on the altar of God, it's really only the true true thing that we truly or the thing that we truly possess that we can place upon God's altar is our, our agency, our will. I think once we've uh, we've arrived at step six, we have truly done that, um, and now it's time for us to continue to exercise uh, that wonderful gift of humility and sit back. And it's time for us to, you know, stick ourselves in our back pocket or hang ourselves up on the wall, whatever metaphor you want to, whatever metaphor you want to use. And it's time for us to sit back and watch God do His work. Up to this point in our lives, we didn't do so well. We didn't do that hot. Uh, now it's time for us to step back and humbly move ourselves out of His way, uh, give Him the floor, and allow Him to work uh, the work that He can work in each one of our lives. Um, and I think ultimately therein lies uh, a true change of heart, being able to sit back and being able to... Look at your life through heaven's eyes and be able to watch God perform his transforming abilities and change a soul into what he knows it can become. And be able to humble ourselves and sit back and accept the reality that we do have value, that we do have divine potential, and that we have a loving Father in heaven who sent His perfect Son to be able to bring salvation, and we need to step back and we need to behold and prepare ourselves to behold the salvation of God. Um, I always like to turn to the Scriptures. Uh, this is a process. Um, just like this program is a program of action, uh, this is a principle of action and it's a principle of action, even on God's part, where He's going to reach into your life, reach into our lives, and do what He can do to uh, secure the moorings and change our direction and scoot us off into the direction that we need to go so we can become all that we can be. The process that we need to go through, we need to be patient, we need to be humble, um, We've made reference to it in this evening, uh, this meeting this evening, that it's a process that doesn't happen immediately overnight. For some people, it might, and that's a great thing. But for the most of us, it's a process, and sometimes it can be a hard process to sit back and watch, as well as a hard process to sit back and learn, because we're having to relearn a whole bunch of things about ourselves. and give ourselves a benefit of a doubt and quit being so critical of ourselves and so demeaning to ourselves and so loathing of ourselves. We need to give ourselves a chance to sit back and, and watch God's hand work in our lives. So as it pertains to that particular process, uh, there's, a, there's a couple scriptures that I want to share. Uh, the first one's found in Doctrine and Covenants, section 58. Uh, Beginning in verse 2, and it says, For verily I say unto you, Blessed is he that keepeth the commandments, whether in life or in death. And he that is faithful in tribulation, the reward of the same is greater in the kingdom of heaven. Ye cannot behold with your natural eyes for the present time the design of your God concerning those things which shall come hereafter, and the glory which shall follow after much tribulation. For after much tribulation come the blessings. Wherefore, the day cometh that ye shall be crowned with much glory. The hour is not yet, but is nigh at hand. Uh, This process, as it says, we cannot currently behold with our natural eyes the design of God, what that design is. It's an opportunity for us to sit back and exercise our faith in God and know that He knows what He's doing and that He can take our life and He can change it and turn it into something glorious and wonderful. Um, throughout this whole process, what do we do? Uh, Nephi, in Second Nephi chapter 31, verses 19 and 20, scriptures that we're all familiar with, this is what we do throughout this process. Um, it says, "And now, behold, my beloved brethren, after ye have gotten this, after you've gotten into this straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, Nay, for ye have not come thus far save it were by the word of Christ, with, unsa- with unshaken faith in Him, relying wholly upon the merits of Him who is mighty to save. Wherefore ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope." and a love of God, and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the words of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. This process, we need to, as I've said, we need to let go and let God. We need to exercise faith. And throughout this whole process, we need to continue to do the same things that we've been doing. We need to continue to admit to ourselves that we are powerless. We need to continue to believe that it is His power that can restore us. We need to continue to turn our will over to Him. And we need to continue to cleanse our life by willingly going before God, going before our priesthood leaders, and relying upon the help that is there. And finally, um, Doctrine and Covenants section 50, uh, verses 40–42, 40–42, it says, Behold, ye are little children, and ye cannot bear all things now. Ye must grow in grace and in knowledge of the truth. Fear not, little children, for ye are mine, and I have overcome the world, and ye are of them that my Father hath given me, and none of them that my Father hath given me shall be lost. There's the hope, there's the glory, there's the salvation of God. Uh, Comfort can and will come to a soul who opens their soul to the saving power of Christ. A true servant of the Lord, a true servant of the Lord will always try to turn hearts to Christ. They will never, ever, ever try and focus attention onto themselves. They will always, always turn hearts to Christ. It's an, it's an honor to be here because within these groups, that's the resounding feeling. That's the resounding focus. The focus is on Christ. The focus and the good news is that He has overcome the world. He has overcome all things. And as it says in Ether, that His grace is sufficient for all things. His grace is sufficient for all things, not some things, all things. And as we humbly go before Him, He'll show us our weaknesses. And as we humbly go before Him and come unto Him, He can take those weaknesses and He can turn them into strengths, which is the essence of these meetings. Everybody reaching deep within inside themselves and sharing the truths of their lives, reaching and yearning to try and strive to point people to Christ through your understanding, through your personal interpretation of what you've gone through. That's what people really relate to within these meetings. And it breeds and it spawns hope, hope and faith. So I add my testimony to the testimony of the others that Christ is the way. He does possess the power to deliver us from bondage. He is the author of liberty. He is true. He is faithful. And step six, prepare yourself to behold the salvation of God, which is through Jesus Christ. And I humbly bear witness of that and humbly do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks.
1: You bet. In closing, please remember that what has been shared here is confidential. And the opinions expressed here are those of the individual who expressed them and do not necessarily represent LDS Family Services or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We encourage you to purchase a personal copy of the guide for note-taking during the meeting. We also recommend using the Studying and Understanding and Action Steps sections between meetings to build upon what you have heard and experienced in this meeting. Finally, we thank each of you for your participation. Your presence here demonstrates your humility and faith and it inspires hope in everyone attending today. Would somebody please volunteer for the closing prayer? I'll it. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee so
2: very much for this opportunity to gather tonight as friends in this program. Father, we pray that The things that we've learned tonight will help us in our recovery, that we will feel rejuvenated and renewed in our recovery program. We pray for those addicts that are out there still suffering, that they will find their way into these rooms and that they will find the peace that we've found through sobriety and through coming for support. Father, we love Thee, and we pray again these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
9: Find hope and connect with God and others who understand you through the Church's Addiction Recovery Program. Join us at a virtual or in-person support group meeting. Visit addictionrecovery.churchofjesuschrist.org to get started.